0: Welcome to another episode of Eddie and his amazing friends Hero Cast. Uh, formerly the Eddie and Caleb Hero Cast, joined with me this week on late notice, so we appreciate that, is uh, Simon, who you can follow on X at SGC Speaks, or myself at EC underscore Hero, or Eddie C85. Uh, should mention Simon's here. Uh, a quick shout out to uh, Friend of the show, Mike, who was on uh, Ant Man Two, he was uh, in the hospital over the weekend, so I figured I'd give him give him some time off while he recovers. I guess being lazy, you know. But uh, no, he's uh, he's fine now. But uh, just uh, thought I'd give him some time. But anyway, we appreciate you for uh, stepping up to the plate with uh, some Spider Man Far From Home. Yeah,
1: of course. Uh, actually, I'm actually glad you brought me in for this one because this is one of the uh, more Controversial, I dare say, of the Spider-Man movies. So, and I'm, and I think we talked about it in previous Spider-Man reviews. But I am a fan of the Tom Holland's depiction of Spider-Man. So, I I'll have some things to say and some things to talk about as definitely as this review goes on.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 on the uh, side that I enjoy this movie. Also, uh, quick R.I.P. to. Hero cast alum Paul Rubens, aka Pee Wee Herman, aka the Spleen from Mystery Men. So that was disappointing to hear. He, uh, I watch his Christmas special just about every year. It still holds up. Let's see. Let's. Uh, it's gonna be a long one. At least the movie, at least is a, a lot. So we'll jump into it. Um, the uh, the time capsule. This was uh, this is unprecedented. The third week in a row. Old Town Road by Lil Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus is your number 1 song. Crazy. Oof.
1: That's on that's on, uh, let's take did definitely uh <laughs> I heard that song a lot let's put it that way.
0: Well, yeah, 3 weeks in a row. That's uh and these are of course spread out over a while so but uh Champions in wrestling were the same as last week. Kofi, Seth, Adam Cole, Becky, Becky Shayna Baszler, Okada, you know the drill. So, but we'll get a mix-up next week, I promise. And a new belt. Uh, so, let's see here. This movie, Far From Home, came out uh, July 2nd, 2019. Uh, almost four years ago, as of recording this. So, any? do you have any 4th of July plans in 2019?
1: Um, I'm pretty sure I was still working at, uh, ABC7 as an intern, so... I was probably, uh... I, I was... I, def, I probably saw this movie around that time.
0: Yeah, I saw if it. it well, was... A, I've got an interesting... Yeah,
1: I, I'm pretty sure I saw it around that time. What did you say?
0: I have an interesting story when we get to the, uh, history with the movie, which is right after this. But, uh, in July of 2019 was my first and only business trip that I ever got to take... Uh, it was, uh, I don't know. I mean, it didn't seem necessary. They said, well, first off, they sent me to an office in San Jose. Um, but they offered like, hey, if you want to fly out somewhere, take a long weekend and fly somewhere first, you can do that. And, uh, I'd always wanted to go to Albuquerque. So I did that. Spent, uh, a weekend in Albuquerque. That's a nice, nice town. Land of Enchantment. Um. Then went to San Jose, which is, uh, I mean, I don't know. It was cool seeing, like, I don't know, all these big tech companies, I guess. Our office was, like, a couple blocks from LinkedIn, so that was neat. But uh, it's a very expensive city, and uh, Ubers are really expensive, so I didn't really get to do much. But uh, it was weird because they sent me out there to train, but they were also shutting down the San Jose office. So it felt weird having this person who's losing their job soon train me. And, um, yeah, I didn't really retain a whole lot because the person at work just trained me when I got back. So a very big waste of money. But, hey, I got to go to Albuquerque out of it. So that was cool. Hmm. Take a, a, a one business trip in my life that I have taken. So there we go. Uh, history with the movie. I've only seen it once, which was in theaters. And during the movie, it's pretty much a sold-out show. I was sitting on the end, and it was during the scene when Spider-Man's trapped in the illusion with the graveyard and everything. Uh, this kid taps me on the shoulder, and he's, like, crying. And he's like, I can't find my mom! And I was more surprised, like, "What? what's happening? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Like I wasn't, I wasn't like annoyed that I had to get up and do something, but it's like, why? First off, why was I chosen in a theater of like three hundred people? <laughs> and secondly, I'm like, okay, so I took him out to the like the aisle, or not the aisle, the um, the out of the theater into like the big aisle where all the you go access all the theaters from. I was like, do you know her phone number? And then immediately she comes up and is like, oh, there you are. And she's like, oh, thank you. I'm sorry. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. So, I don't know. That was random, but uh, that happened. <laughs> and then you've seen this in theater, you said? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, actually, I just pulled it up from uh, my uh, Fandango history, because that's usually how I buy tickets. I actually saw this uh when did you say? What did it say you came out?
0: Uh, July second, twenty
1: nineteen. Oh, oh man! Oh man! I saw this on July third. Oh. So literally the day after it came out. Um. Yeah. It's I only saw it once in theaters, but I've seen it more times since on because um, I have the digital code for it, so I could see it on iTunes and Amazon Prime and stuff what I remember most about leading up to this movie was primarily the trailer where they basically spoiled that he came back and they all, it, not that I hadn't already seen infinity, uh, Endgame by then, but it's just the, it's just the fact that, you know, if you got to do all that to make sure everybody has, doesn't get spoiled on something, maybe you shouldn't be promoted. Maybe you should have pushed this movie back a little bit. <laughs>
0: That's true. I forgot about that. Like everyone knew this movie was coming out, and then I think even a trailer had dropped before Endgame even, you know, aired. So, but yeah, this is uh this is our first Marvel movie post Endgame, but still riding high. It was oh a, absolutely, uh, yeah. Budget of a hundred and sixty million. Box office one point one three two billion. So no issues there. That puts it on our list at number nine with 972 million profit. Uh,
1: that is almost a 10 times return. That is
0: insane. Yeah, of course could, there's marketing and all that, but, you know, we don't count that.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you really could tell just how strongly the MCU had supported itself. Just just our reputation alone, as well as just putting out consistently good movies so even to the ones that weren't as good, and we talked about Captain Marvel a few weeks ago, um, but even that movie, because of all the hype leading into this character who's going to factor into the events of Avengers Endgame, that movie got a significant bump, even even out earning a namesake, uh, a namesake in superhero like Wonder Woman. Um, and so with this movie... Like you really see one, it's dealing with a popular character in Spider-Man, and two, like just like you mentioned before, that post-in-game, uh, the post-in-game hype hadn't died out just yet. So everything was still riding high. People were still feeling good about where the story had gone, and they, it, it clearly ended up really well for them.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned Captain Marvel. That would be number 10 on the list. So it's above Captain Marvel, right below Aquaman, still holding strong. But uh, also the inflation was $1.16 billion, so a little bit over. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, of course, Endgame, number one. It'll stay that way till the end of the podcast, I suspect. Uh, <laughs> and the fans and critics loved it. Critics, 90%. Fans, 95%. Um. Yeah, and yeah. I think we can jump into the cast if I'm not missing anything. Uh, well,
1: I would. Well, we talked about um. When we talk about the reception to this movie, initially when it came out, it w- it got all that positive reception. As I've gone online a little bit more, I've seen a stronger uh, pushback against the film, especially on Twitter and as well as YouTube. Some uh, YouTube based critics get. Being a little bit harder on it, uh, and, and I'm going to say some of my commentary and some of their points that I've heard over the years, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where a movie comes out, people love it, then a couple weeks later it's like, eh, this wasn't that good. Hmm. What? And 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 then it just uh, and some people keep that opinion and others don't. So. I I would definitely say it's still overwhelmingly positive, but um, ultimately I I still think, but I do think like there might be a slight, a more slight negative tinge to it now, just in the, just because of how Tom Holland's viewed as Spider-Man, his overall journey.
0: Yeah, we can, uh, well, I'll save mine for the end, but, uh, I'll start here with, uh, she was not in the last movie as much as I remembered, but uh, she was in this quite a bit, Zendaya as MJ.
1: Yeah, um in the last movie she kind of came off more as a begrudging friend. So, it was really interesting to see the switch that they made in this movie. And and I'll address that a little bit more once we get into the review for it. The overall, I'd say she 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 gave a really good performance.
0: Yeah, I thought... I mean, it helps that her and Tom Holland are a real-life couple, but they, they did have good chemistry together. I like that she's different than the other love interests. She's more of a uh, sarcastic high school girl, I guess. So uh, I thought they uh, they did well switching things up. Um, and, you know, we mentioned it in the last movie, but, like, uh, Marissa Tomei as uh, May Parker. Again... It's nice to just switch things up from the from the first two movies, and that's one thing I appreciate about this trilogy that they do
1: Absolutely. Because we could have easily gone the uh, <laughs> the batman route and see an origin story for the for the time or at least the more traditional one
0: yeah no not not this one uh <laughs> I mean I don't know i I don't know what else there is to say about Samuel L. Jackson. Nick Fury, he's he's uh he's here and he's same old Nick Fury. I don't, you know. Yeah, in some uh, ways. Yeah, well, he's a little bit different at the end, but. <laughs> uh, this one I've got some some thoughts on Jake Gyllenhaal as Quentin Beck slash Mysterio. So. Yeah. Even as a kid when I watched the Spider-Man animated show, Mysterio was always kind of like, eh, to me. The the illusion cubes that he did, I just, I don't know. I thought that was a little strange. And when I heard that Mysterio was going to be the villain in this movie, I was just like, I don't know. It's going to be a tough one to translate to film, I think. But the way they did it with him, he wears like the motion cap suit. Uh, he pretended to be this hero. All of his illusions are drones, but they're drones that can actually cause damage, and they project holograms. I just thought was was really well done, and this was a big surprise to me. I, like I said, I did not think that Mysterio would translate all that well. I'm still waiting on Scorpion. I'm a, I like Scorpion as a villain. I'm waiting on him still, but... Hey, I was I was happy with Mysterio. I thought they it, it did really well with him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he did a great job. And definitely, as you said, the translation was a, was way better than I could have possibly anticipated. And I also and it just but it just really plays into a lot of what we know about production today, as well as what's possible with ever emerging technology, case in point. I'm pretty sure throughout the movie he's wearing one of those suits that you see actors wear when they're using CG, when they're doing CGI stunts and everything else and doing certain roles for movies. And so with us seeing him wear that, it makes perfect sense since he's, uh, since the illusions are being cast similarly to how we would expect something like that to be applied if it was created to for a movie today. If you could just attach a suit to somebody um without the use of a computer without the use of a ready-made computer or through post-production editing so i thought that was a i thought i really appreciated what what he brought to the role both as the subtle friendly type who was just trying to get to know peter as well as when he when he starts to show the depths of his villainy and just how much of a narcissist he really is
0: yeah and this uh this could have gone wrong. Like I thought, Sandman did not translate well to screen in Spider-Man 3. I thought he was came off as goofy, but this I thought was was very well done. And and his motivation for being a villain was great. So, um, we'll just cut to the uh, the main event here with uh Tom Holland as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, which um, uh, you know. I like Tom Holland as Spider Man. I, I, it's tough because I think he has the best material to work with. I, I Absolutely. do like Andrew Garfield a lot, but it was, he had maybe the weakest material to work with, not counting Spider Man three. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I again, I really liked him in this. I, I, well, I'll save some other thoughts till the end, but uh, I know you have some thoughts, so you can go ahead.
1: Yeah, so I actually I I was I was a person who was introduced to Spider Man through the movies, and so I, I later started to follow him more in TV shows and the comic books, and everything else a little bit later. So the first Spider Man I was ever introduced to was Tobey Maguire. Then I learned a little bit more about the actual character, and it's like okay, so there's some differences between how it was portrayed, but the heart's still there. Then we get Andrew Garfield and he's got the quips down. He's I would consider him probably the best overall actor to play Spider-Man thus far. But like you said, just that that material was not there for him. Um his best he had the best stuff to work with in the first movie and in the second one they just <laughs> <laughs> they they they, try, they were so busy work, work, working on his sequels and all the other setup movies, but they never really gave him much to do. But with Tom Holland, he he had his stories were just really good and the premise of his stories are more interesting because in Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield, he they are both heroes in their own sects, in their own sect in their own universe. So just like pockets of stories in time where Spider Man's the only hero in New York. There's no Avengers, no um Daredevil, there's no there's nobody to play off him or for him to work with but Tom Holland's Spider-Man is made in the shadow of the MCU. And so we get to see him judge himself on other heroes, be apprentice and be friends and mentor get mentored by other heroes, which we do see in the earliest comics of Spider-Man. So he really, he really gets the benefit of that. Plus he gets to interact with other heroes on a regular basis. Heck his introduction was the civil war movie which which easily could have had... He could have had nothing to do with, but that movie was made just a little bit better because of his appearance in it. And this is just another overall performance from him. Even better in some ways than his performance in Spider-Man Homecoming and Infinity War, where I think he's at, he does some of his best work as the character.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And uh, real quick, uh, I mean... <laughs> I can't believe I messed this up, but last week I said uh, you can watch this on Disney Plus. I completely forgot it is not on Disney Plus, uh, <laughs> nor is No Way Home. Uh, I just assumed it was, but uh, now I had to buy this on Amazon for fifty cents. So, or yeah, I don't know, but uh, there you go. Anyway, we can jump into the plot now. So we open at uh, the small town in Mexico, which was wrecked by a cyclone with a face, apparently. And uh, Nick Fury shows up just as Mysterio appears, as does the monster with the face, um, the rock monster or whatever, which uh, Mysterio attacks. Then we get an in-memoriam for Iron Man, Captain America, Black Widow, and Vision. It is from Midtown High School's news anchor, Betty Brant. She updates us on the blip, saying everyone who was brought back didn't age, whereas those who did, uh, rather didn't get blipped, did age. So that's fun. And then we see the people who are, they return from being blipped, they just reappear where they were blipped. So again, I have to ask <sighs> if you were in an airplane when you blipped, did you just <laughs> immediately just fall to your death?
1: Oh, man.
0: That's been my question. I've... Or do you reappear in the plane, like sitting on someone's lap or something? How does that work?
1: I pray to God they just reappear in the plane.
0: <laughs> I would hope. Or, oh. you know, if you're driving, was, are you just standing in the middle of the freeway then? I don't know.
1: Because remember at the end of Infinity War when Nick Fury snaps, there's a helicopter that clearly had a pilot that smashed into a building. So where does he reappear? <laughs> yeah, there's or, a lot of... There's a
0: or if you're in a plane and the pilots get blipped then the plane crashes and the people who aren't blipped die. Ooh. There
1: we go. Oh, my. This, it's also, we should mention it, this is the first time the word, the the phrase, the blip, is used. And I'm not sure why they used that. I honestly thought the snap would have just been perfect. But at the same time, I guess that might be a little traumatizing <laughs> to some people, considering. But... uh. What I really appreciated about the opening was their mo- the montage that Midtown, Midtown High did. It painted to the candles with the, with the Getty images over it, which is definitely something that high schoolers would do because they're not about to pay that fee to get copyrighted uh, images and stock footage like that. So that was just that was just a little fun little element. Also, it just it just really uh. I also found it just really interesting that they were going to continue to focus on this story. And this is honestly uh, a pretty, it didn't affect the overall story as a whole, but the elements from the blip are present in Nick Fury and the gaps in the questions about the Avengers and everything else. Like the Midtown student anchor asked when talking about how his brothers is old, how his younger brothers now older than him and how, Nobody even knows if the Avengers are a thing because how many people were confirmed that Iron Man, Cap, Black Widow, Vision? So at least four of the prominent uh, Avengers are are gone. And so, plus you have the Soviet Accords at the time and everything. There was a bunch of questions to, to be had and I'm glad the movie addressed them right off the top.
0: Well, Peter and Ned... They're getting ready for their class trip to Europe. I didn't get to do a class trip to Europe. That's pretty fancy. Extremely fancy. Yeah, and Peter tell he says I'm going to tell MJ how I feel on this trip on the top of the Eiffel Tower. So very cliché, but uh, on the flight over Ned and Betty become boyfriend and girlfriend. So, good for Ned. And they land in Venice. They're doing all the tourist stuff. But during the trip, this big water monster attacks and Mysterio shows up. Spider-Man teams up with him, kind of, and mostly Mysterio destroys the water monster. Everybody likes Mysterio now. And uh, later on, Nick Fury tracks down Peter, gives him the lowdown on these elemental monsters, and he also gives him these special glasses, which uh, more about those in a moment. Uh, Fury yeah, then. I, inter- oh, go ahead.
1: I just had one question. This is the only. This is the first major caveat I had with the movie, and and it started a little bit further back when Peter comes in and says, "Hey, I'm gonna tell MJ how I feel." Where was this even hinted at in Spider-Man: Homecoming?
0: Yeah, I noticed that too, and I didn't mention it. Um. I mean, they they were friends, but she, again, she wasn't in it enough, and he was more interested in. Uh, I don't remember her Liz. name. Yeah, Liz. <laughs> Uh, who moved to Oregon. So, um, yeah, I, it's it's a good point. But, you know, a lot can happen over the course of a summer. And then when you die for, you know, five years and come back. And
1: all of your cl- – and majority of your classmates all die at the same time. That was the other thing I thought was pretty convenient. So Aunt May died. Uh, Aunt May snipped snip, uh, – blipped away – His entire class blipped. That was pretty convenient.
0: Well, one... Who was the guy that didn't blip? The guy... um, It was uh, the Asian student. Brad, Uh, I think. Yeah. uh, He's new to their class. He did not blip, though. But uh, MJ did. um, Ned did. And Peter did. Apparently his teacher did. Uh, That that,
1: that also brings up another question. Because... uh, when they were on the plane, MJ uh, told, snitched on uh, Flash when a flight attendant was giving him alcohol and, he's, and said, "Technically, he's he blipped, so he's technically 16, not 21, or something like that." So it does beg the question: Do people who got blipped need special licenses or something?
0: Hmm, <laughs> that could be, could be. More on Flash later. He uh, he had a little Easter eggy storyline kind of going on. Uh, so Fury introduces Peter to Quentin Beck, Mysterio. He's uh, he says I'm from a different version of Earth in the multiverse, so we're we're coming coming along on that. And Beck mentions these elemental monsters attacked my world. They took away my family. They destroyed my world. And Peter declines to help. He just He don't want my teachers to worry about it. And he knows his classmates will see Spider-Man if he's in Europe and he was in D.C. They'll figure it out. And Fury's like, all right, I understand. And then we later learn that Fury just hijacked the trip and sends them to Prague, where they suspected the next Elemental would be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: um, I I appreciated that they recognized that Nick Fury being the top – information agent and a spy would definitely not be the case five years after the fact. And, um, they really bring it, it really brings home those questions about who the new Avengers are going to be, who's going to step up to the mantle and who's going to be involved in matters like this. And it really just, uh, it also really demonstrates how tired Peter was and rightfully so because, Let's think, let's just imagine, let, let's just really just think about where he was uh, in Infinity War and in Endgame. He battles a purple alien, he, he battles an alien invasion, a guy with telekinesis and a super, and a brown version of a Hulk. He battles a blue, purple alien with Infinity Stones, senses himself dying as he says a goodbye to his mentor, comes back to life just to fight in a war where he can hard die this time. And then loses his mentor in that battle. It, he he experienced a lot of things just in the past two movies, and so rightfully so, he's just like you know what? For a second, I don't I don't want to be Spider Man. I just want to be Peter. And that good old Parker luck strikes again.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things I've always enjoyed about the Spider Man characters is conflict. If he wants to even do it or not. Um. In this case, he does not. He wants Mysterio to do it. But, uh, well, on the bus trip to Prague, Peter tries on these glasses, which they are called uh, EDITH, which is Tony Stark's acronym of Even in Death, I'm the Hero, which is very funny. Hilarious. And the glasses uh, gives you in- access to all of Stark's technology, Let's you see what people are searching for and texting for on their phone, like Flash is texting his parents that he hasn't heard from them. That's interesting. Uh, bus stops, and Peter is sent to a, a restaurant by a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. He's given a new suit, and while Peter is there, the woman wants him to change, and he does, but then this guy, Brian, snaps a photo of him, wants to show MJ, and he's like, yeah, hey, you know, I know you like her, and I like her, but she's got to know... And uh, Peter uses the glasses, accidentally calls a, launches a drone strike on on poor Brian, but uh, he stops it and then just hacks into his phone, deletes the photo. So, good for you,
1: Peter. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is the other major caveat I have. And it's a pretty big one considering how much it affects the overall story. Tony Stark left a multi, probably billion dollar global defense system at the hands of a 16-year-old and he didn't give it any instructions. He he, 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 Keep in mind, this is a man who gave Spider-Man suit training wheel protocols in Homecoming.
0: That's fair. Maybe Happy just didn't give him any instructions, but was supposed to.
1: He's <laughs> like... This, if you have your first ever Spider-Man suit that's made by Stark Tech, eh, you're not ready for this. Eh, he's one year older. All right, give him, give him the glasses. Th- does he need instructions? He's a he's a 16-year-old super genius. What do you think he's going to do? Kill somebody?
0: Well, he very nearly meanwhile,
1: did. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile in reality.
0: <laughs> well, later on in Prague, the Fire Elemental, which is the strongest, he attacks Spider-Man and Mysterio. Mysterio... He's like, "Oh, he keeps getting bigger. He'll be unstoppable." And he's like, "I'm going to do what I should have done the last time." Which he you think he sacrifices himself, but then he just goes inside the elemental and blows it up, and then Mysterio is just fine, which is kind of like your first clue of like, "Huh." Strange. Absolutely. Like I thought you just killed yourself, but instead, you are just slightly singed. So Fury wants Peter to step up and say, you need to decide if you want to be an Avenger or not and come to Berlin for this meeting with Europol. And uh, Peter and Beck, they go out for a drink. They have a nice bonding moment over talking about MJ. And Peter decides, he's like, yeah, I'm not ready. I transfer the glasses to Beck. He's the real hero. And this was such a great reveal. Peter leaves the bar, which looked like a nice, normal, you know, European pub, I guess. It just slowly disintegrates. Some of the people disappear, some don't. And it's just a run-down, abandoned bar. And Beck's just like, I got him. (laughs) And he is basically the the leader of a bunch of dissatisfied Stark employees. Um, So basically current employees for Threads. And (laughs) he's like, you know... I created this holographic uh, technology, which was great, and it could interact with stuff in real life, and I loved this. We cut to Iron Man 1, where Tony is showing it off, and it gives it the acronym BARF, <laughs> um, and Beck's just on the side stage like, BARF, that's my life's work, and he just called it BARF, um, and then we see another guy that was on Beck's team, another fired employee, again, back in Iron Man 1, when, when Obadiah Stain yelled uh, my, one of my favorite lines in the history of the hero cast Tony Stark <laughs> built this in a cave! The guy that he yelled that at is also on said team. And yeah, it's just a whole bunch of disgruntled employees who, who hated, uh, you know, Tony Stark. And they hated. Uh, I guess they like Peter because he's naive. But yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because it's like you see that in real life too, you know, um, with all these tech companies. Some people I'm sure love working at Twitter slash X, but then you have some people who are like, I had to sleep in my office on the floor. So yeah, it's 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 fun to see like the other side of it. And Tony Stark's absolutely a guy I would believe that would be both fun or horrible to work for depending on his opinion of you and your department. So, um, it's but a-
1: yeah, absolutely with that, with that point about how it just reflects more modern day, uh, tech companies. Here's, here's one question I do want to raise though. How do you, how do you feel about thus far? Cause this is, this is present in both Mysterio and Vulture. How do you feel about, uh, Spider-Man's villains being connected to Tony Stark in this way.
0: Uh, I don't mind it. I'll guess I'll get into it now. But to me, the one of the reasons I really and it sounds like there there will be of course nothing's coming out now or on hold. And even uh, another house cleaning note: Craven, which would have dropped, uh, I don't know, like three, four, five months from now. Well, that's pushed back to a year. So. That's coming out in August 2024. But um, I like that we got... So, again, in the first Spider-Man trilogy and the second movie for one and two, Amazing Spider-Man, we got Neighborhood Spider-Man only, which I love, and that's the crux of the Spider-Man story. But it was nice to get, like, Avenger Spider-Man. Spider-Man not in New York. Like, that was nice. It's nice to get him fighting you know, Thanos, and, and whoever else. But this is why I'm really hoping we get a Spider-Man 4, because so far, in my opinion, the Disney movies have been the best of the all the Spider-Man movies. And I think once we get into 4, we will get strictly plain old neighborhood Spider-Man, which is my personal favorite. But again, it's nice to deviate, and he interacts with the Avengers and Thanos and... um. Uh, Civil War, so all that stuff. I uh, I like.
1: Yeah, I I would definitely uh, echo that sentiment. Um. I also want to, and I think it makes a bit more sense because a lot of Spider-Man's villains are not all of them were directly connected to him anyway. In most of these cases, um. When it came to. Like, like like let's for example who's a villain who really isn't that that connected to him you look at some like Sandman's connection to him and spider-man 3 is essentially more of a force connection yeah because Sandman isn't the man who's this isn't Joe chill joker like the Batman in 89 Sandman is just some thief who gets into an accident and then become I think in some iterations, volunteers to get, get a procedure or something, um, but either way, he wasn't he wasn't this all important figure who killed Uncle Ben. He's just some thief. And then, with Vulture, for example, he's just he's just a he's a villain who Peter gets entangled with, and he, he demonstrates Peter's willingness to do the right thing because. If he doesn't do anything to Vulture, I'm sure maybe somebody he knows will get hurt, but he definitely knows that somebody will. And so that demonstrates an example of him, of of how he feels responsible to do something when nobody else is addressing it. And here here with Mysterio, I started to recognize why somebody might have a problem with it. But ultimately, I didn't think it was the worst thing in the world, especially because it made... It, you couldn't do this Mysterio as somebody who just does illusion, does his illusions like magic tricks. It it wouldn't have come off as realistic. The, there was only two ways to do this. The first was to give him magical abilities, like a like a doctor like an inverted Doctor Strange or some type of evil character like that, or to do it in technology. They clearly didn't want to go the magic route and they went the technology route, and I think it ultimately made sense. The, did it with this movie and for this adaptation because like you said like we said earlier aren't most adaptations of mysterio just like cart like magic tricks and stuff like that
0: yeah he was uh i remember in the animated show he was like a hollywood uh special effects guy (laughs) so um and he made these illusion cubes which these are i mean drones aren't illusion cube is kind of an illusion cube cube i didn't know if that would work um also, uh, I suspect if the rumors are true, of the next Spider-Man villains uh, won't have anything to do with Stark would be Venom and Ned as Hobgoblin, uh, which will be interesting to see if and how Ned does a heel turn and uh, Venom maybe going after a certain guy who doesn't have a great relationship with his parents would be my guess. Um, <laughs> also, uh, should mention Beck. Another thing that was clever, he tricked S.H.I.E.L.D. into confirming their story. He had, like, these tremors appear on their map, which tricked the S.H.I.E.L.D. satellites. So they they were—they had their bases covered. Absolutely. So back with Peter's class, the trip's over. One too many monster attacks. But uh, I mean, think after one would it be enough. But uh, I guess they said we'll, get, we'll do two but so last night Peter's gonna go all out he's gonna tell mJ how she how he feels but before he can she calls him out for being spider-man and he denies it and her evidence is you know well you're never around when spider-man's here and uh, also she had this uh he, what was it the uh the night monkey was because he had like a <laughs> all black costume it's like oh that wasn't spider-man that was night monkey and apparently MJ was the only that didn't buy that because everybody else was like, oh, yeah, Night Monkey, of course. But uh, MJ was like, well, how come uh, Night Monkey's web was all over this? And she has a piece of the uh, this drone, and they drop it. It turns on, and then there's an elemental monster, but it's just an illusion. It's not there. And Peter's like, oh, I really just messed up really bad. <laughs> he pieces it together, becks a fraud. So, So... Back with Beck, this I love. They're, like, rehearsing the whole attack. And he's planning, like, this big elemental attack. He's like, well, I need an Avengers-level threat. So all the elementals are going to combine and attack London. And I'm going to save them. And I'm going to be the next Iron Man. So he's, like, drawing it out doing this big, giant-scale attack. And he's going to save the day. But then he's, like, one of his... Holog- well, one of his gloves, like, fades. And he's like, why is-, why is this happening? They're like, oh, it's just a missing drone. We'll fix it. And he's like, oh, missing drone. That's evidence. we got to find it. So they find it. It's with Peter. They're like, all right, well, we got to go after Peter Parker. So Fury picks up Peter. Peter explains everything about Beck to Fury. Mysterio this traps Spider-Man in an illusion. This is why they go to inter- Europol. And Europol is actually just... Uh, an abandoned building, which I thought was pretty good. And, again, this is where I got interrupted in the movie, trying to help this lost kid. But, yeah, this, uh, you know, he's completely trapped in this illusion. Like, everything, he's in a graveyard, he's falling, he's in his old Spider-Man uniform, not the night monkey. And it ends with uh, Fury hits Beck with a taser. And uh, Fury is like hey um uh, who else did you tell about this and he's like oh just uh my friend ned and mj surprise <laughs> fury was beck who just tased nobody that was really good and um uh, so now he's like well mj and this ned guy have to die so peter gets arrested because he gets hit by a train and he's on a train i guess and he ends up in the netherlands and he gets happy to come give him a lift. Um, he's going to London. This is where Beck's going to strike. It's also where the class is. Like I said, a connecting flight, I suppose, on their way home. So his plan is to get his spider sense or Peter Tingle, which they mentioned earlier, is kind of on the fritz, <laughs> working again. I guess it. he lost it in the blip, maybe. And I think
1: it's more so implied that it was one of those things that didn't I guess it's one of those things that was kind of maturing as he did. So as we see it on and off throughout the movies. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, and this, I think what's implied here is that this is more so intrinsic to his overall nature. So if he trusts somebody or he feels relaxed, it probably isn't as strong as it is, unless it's just something he can't ignore. For example, in infinity war, he was just minding his own business. Then despite a sense tingle, single, he turns around, he sees an alien ship descending over New York. Versus yeah. here, uh, like earlier in the movie, when Aunt May's prepping him to go to Europe, she throws a banana at him. He, he doesn't notice it at all. One, because there's no real threat. And two, because uh, he's, pro- he's relaxed. He's not really thinking about fighting or anything. So it's, it seems more so tied to his emotional state and his state of mind rather than just a natural reflex, a reflex of his body at this point.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, so Peter tells Happy his plan. He's like, I got to get inside the illusions and disable them because they're just drones at the end of the day. And I have to get the uh, the Peter Tingle up and running because I'll be able to tell what's real, what's not. So that's the uh, that's the deal. We get the debut of another new uh, Spider-Man suit. This was the uh, parachutes in. He's got the webbing, um, like turns it into like a glide suit, like the webbing underneath his armpits type of deal. And he flies into the illusion, starts webbing up the drones, and uh, he uses the uh, electric web. Uh, The drones start breaking apart. The illusion's breaking. You can see the big elemental. There's like holes in them and drones inside. That was pretty well done. So Mysterio then uses Edith to target Spider-Man. Spider-Man takes out more drones, saves Happy, MJ, Flash, and Ned, who were all locked in a castle or something. And then he he confronts Beck. More drones show up and create an illusion. But Peter, he uh, uses the Spider-Sense or the Tingle. Allows him to figure out what's real, what's not. He, you know, crashes all the drones. And he ignores... He basically ignores the illusion and then able to take out the drones. And then Beck's laying there. He's like, you know what? Alright, you win. Here you go. But another illusion. Um, Beck's about to shoot Peter. Peter, you know, notices this, of course. And stops the bullet. Beck gets shot by the drone. And uh, the drone uh, kills him. And I liked where he's like, is this another illusion, uh, Edith? And he's like, no, all illusions are disabled. So Beck is dead. We won't be hearing from him again, ever.
1: (laughs) It was, I thought, the most interesting part of that entire sequence. And again, just really showing the depths of his narcissism. When he saw dr- certain drones that weren't firing, and then the and then Edith is trying to warn him, uh, you are in the strike zone for all of these drones, so they're not, so they're not gonna fire, and so he just overrides it because he's he's so sure he can kill Spider Man.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> and he even disables the illusion. They're like, uh, are you sure? He's like, the people will see what I want them to see, which at the time didn't make any sense because he just got killed, but it will.
1: Absolutely, and I also like
0: the fact that both uh,
1: Mysterio dies like specifically adhering to the uh, comic authority code where a villain has to die by his own evil machinations, and so he he's the one firing the drones. Peter basically just knocks one drone into the other, and so when it turns around, he gets basically lit up by a machine gun of his that he took zone that wasn't uh that he wasn't safe in. So I really I just really appreciated that.
0: Yeah, I don't think Spider-Man's killed anyone in any of these movies. <laughs> the closest
1: the closest we got so far was probably him activating instant kill on those war mutts that Thanos had. But those things are I wouldn't even really call those things sentient. Yeah. It's kind it's kind of like doomsday, it's it's, it's, it's just something with a fist for a brain.
0: <laughs> well, he definitely tried to kill Sandman and thought he did in Spider-Man 3, but he didn't. Um, so afterwards, Peter meets with MJ. She's happy. Uh, she shows him that Happy gave him the necklace, the black Dahlia necklace. Happy had given it to earlier. Peter bought it at some market. And uh, they share a kiss. And after the trip... Ned and Betty reveal that they broke up. Just a European fling, I guess. Uh, MJ also doesn't think anyone will notice that Peter's Spider-Man. They mention they make a point of saying that. Like, yeah, no one will notice. Flash also gets picked up by his driver, and he's like, do my parents make it? And the driver just shakes his head no. Hmm. Someone could be getting some uh, symbiote. Would be my guess. And... uh Spider-Man then takes MJ web-slinging and roll credits happily ever after. But not so fast. Mid-credit scene, probably, I'll say it, the biggest end-credit scene we have had in the history of the podcast. I dare say this is the most uh, impactful and important. So they're still web-slinging. MJ, he stops. She's like, oh, I don't wanna ever want to do that again. And then we cut to breaking news on this big giant TV. And apparently the Daily Bugle was like basically InfoWars in this universe. He's like, the controversial news site, Daily Bugle. So we cut to J. Jonah Jameson, played, of course, by the only man that can play J. Jonah Jameson. That's uh, probably just a uh, contractual obligation at this point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he appears. Well, at on the least in bi- live action. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. So it's like you know, if you're doing uh, if you're doing J Jones Jameson, it's got to be J K Simmons. There's just which you know I'm okay with. So Absolutely. he appears on the big TV. He's got breaking news. He's a big Mysterio fan. He's still under the impression Mysterio is a hero. And he's like you know Quentin Beck, uh, Spider Man. well it's just we have disturbing footage, but let's take you to it. And Quinn Beck is lying. This is before uh, Spider-Man even approached uh, him inside of the... Or it could have been during the illusion that Spider-Man was fighting off. Either way, um, Spider-Man's not in the shot. But uh, Beck's like, you know, if, if you're watching this, I'm dead. And Spider-Man's lying to you. He took over Stark technology. He's be t- behind all these drone attacks, so he blames Spider-Man. That these elementals were actually drones, very clever. And he's like, and then if I'm dead, it's because Spider-Man killed me. So, okay. Turn him into a he and at this point I'm like, okay, this is how everyone turns turns against Spider-Man. But then
1: spite of everything you've done, yeah, so sure they will hate you.
0: The real blockbuster, J. Jonah James is like, but there's more. Let's cut to this. And Beck's like Spider-Man in the real world. His name is his name is Peter Parker. And then we cut to a photo of Peter Parker. Right then, I was like, "Well, the sequel has to come out tomorrow. Like, I can't wait because it did to come out 2021. I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't wait. To, uh, you know, what was it? Uh, two and a half years or whatever it was." Uh, I guess one and a half year. Like, I can't wait one and a half years for this movie. That was the biggest cliffhanger you've ever yeah. done, Marvel. Like, what are you doing to me? Uh, so that was huge.
1: That was that was for every that was for everybody who said uh, Peter Parker doesn't face any consequences in his movies. like, yeah. Like, um, the, I would say that's probably the It, it it's funny because it ties into his origins in Civil War. They just this, they just pushed it a little bit further down on the timeline. Because if you if you follow the Marvel comic, Civil War comic uh, series, that is exactly what happens. Except there, it's more of a voluntary thing. But but here, it's made to be something where it's that fi- it's not so much as betrayal, but that final just knife in the back that proving how vindictive and evil and how much of a narcissist Beck is. So now he can die knowing the world will love him and the world will hate spider-man that peter parker's life is forever ruined again great villain oh yeah who even even in death he wins
0: yeah that's true but uh you know luckily the uh trailer for spider-man uh no way home basically tells you how peter is gonna get out of this so uh, we got another end credit scene uh, the whole time, basically, uh, Fury and Hill were actually Talos and Sorin in disguise. So, And Fury... finds a lot. In space. Yeah, I don't think Nick Fury would have fallen for Beck, which I, you're right, it does explain it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Beck did. He crossed all his T's and dotted his I's as far as to trick the shield. But she, uh, Fury is, is still not going to get tricked by this guy. He doesn't know who he is. But... Uh, Talos got tricked by him, but uh, yeah. So Fury's up in space. Uh, he'll come down for his his TV show, Secret Invasion. But uh, please, uh,
1: please, please go back up.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, he must, cause he's the the trailer for uh, you know, the trailer for the Marvels. He's back up in space. So. And uh, yeah, that is uh, Spider-Man Far From Home.
1: I. I let you. I let you carry that that final act because once we, <laughs> I have my criticisms throughout the movie. But once we get to that third act, I basically don't have anything bad to say because that um, that amazing sequence with the illusion, the speech that Peter and Happy give. I also preach I also appreciate how they further develop and showcase Peter's abilities as a scientist and as an inventor to where he can modify some of Tony's previous ideas for suits and maybe even some ideas that uh Peter had came up with on his own. I really that's probably the only nitpick I wish they had brought up a little bit more or showcase like bring up blah blah bring up all this you have on Spider Man is like, oh look, my designs are here. Good or something. But it's it's definitely implied, especially when we see him pull apart a drone, make a makeshift bomb to destroy the drones in the area and everything else so he can get to deck. And that every, everything about this final act just really worked for me. But but regarding that post credit scene, do you feel like that should have been just the end of the film, or did it work better as
0: a post credit scene? Um, I'll say this: I wish they flipped the post credit scene. I would have liked to have left the theater not knowing, like, oh, Nick Fury's in space. Okay, what do I do with that information? I wish it was the final scene where Beck's like, Spider-Man is Peter Parker, and that to me, I mean, you know, maybe they didn't because they're like, well, people probably leave after the first mid-credit scene, but uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm at the point where it's like, if you leave a Marvel movie before the credits are fully over, unless you have the Run P app which tells you if there's anything at the end, then that's your own fault. I'm gonna go ahead and give this movie a nine out of ten. Uh, one of the things we actually didn't talk about that was actually a pretty big part of the movie was uh, Peter's. I guess uh, he, he was always kind of looking at Tony Stark as like trying to seek his approval, even though he's he's no longer with us. But you know, he's telling Happy, "Oh, everywhere I look, I always see his face." There was the mural uh, on the uh, on the building of, of Iron Man. So I thought that was a nice element, and him and Mysterio kind of competing to see, you know, who's going to be the next Iron Man, kind of. And Peter thinking like, oh my, am, am I good enough? But can I live up to the hype of Iron Man and the, the legacy of Iron Man? And uh, that was really well done. I thought Mysterio was really well adapted uh, to the to big to the big screen. It could have gone wrong, thankfully it didn't. But he was uh, one of the more compelling villains for a guy that had no powers of his own. The way they uh, incorporated the drones and everything was was really well done so yeah, I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten really really great movie
1: i I got a few more things that I thought were kind of just left out, but overall, I would give the movie uh i'm not I'm not quite up there with you with this one hey. uh I think I think. Spider-Man: Homecoming and ultimately No Way Home were better movies than this, but I still think it's a it's a really enjoyable one. Got some great action, good music, cinematographies, uh great in this. That awkward romance that Peter and MJ have, it it's pretty. It's not it's not quite as good as Garfield and uh, oh my God, I just forgot her name. <laughs>
0: no Emma Emma Stone. Thank you.
1: Not as quite as good as them, but Zendaya and top. Tom really brought it for this, and so I gave this one an 8 out
0: of 10. 8 out of 10, all right. Well, uh, still got one more Spider-Man coming up. That'll be, let's see, this was episode 166. Oh, man, how far in the future do we have to go? Um, No Way Home is episode 190, so it'll be a while. Um But, yeah, so uh, next week, I'll get this one right. It is Max for Joker, and you'll be back next week. So, uh, again, thanks for filling in on short notice. Um, Again, hopefully uh, get well to Mike, who, uh, I mean, he is well now. I just, you know. He'll be fine. But, uh, yeah, Joker is next week. That's on Max. Our two, I think we've only got two villain movies in the whole podcast, and they both came out in 2019. So, hmm. that's weird. But, uh, well, I guess there's Joker 2, but that's way down the line. But, yeah, Joker next week. That should be interesting. Should be interesting.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um. Oh. I do have a uh, end quote. I mean, technic. Well, it's 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 not from Nick Fury. It is, but it's actually from Talos. But uh, we'll just say Nick Fury. It is. Bitch, please. You've been to space.
1: Around your head like the bandanas, fabulous. Used to wrap his hats with. Rather being feds instead of National Geographic's Well, I'm not having it. No. Third time to everybody out there who ain't never heard mine and if you have then you know you ain't never heard mine blue don't move no cowards you only heard lines not a facade cherisher i'd rather have the scars i don't
0: idolize america i'm dancing with the stars uh-huh all of them yeah they are too you look up and you see us shining down uh-huh.